Hello and welcome. In this episode, I'm starting a series called Interview Your Family. I think it's really important to see who they are as human beings instead of father figures, mother figures, or grandparents. In this episode, to start it off, I interview my mom. I learn about her life experiences and get to know her as a human being. We also find out what she holds dear to life and what's important. And she provides a look into the rich culture of Iran and the, the resilience of the people of Tanzania and the importance of being a leader. This is a great episode, and I think all of you should interview family and get to know who they really are. And enjoy. Hi, Mom. Hey. How how's are you doing? Going? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing really good. It's really fun to have you on. Um, I wanted to ask you about your childhood. Tell me about your childhood. Well, I was the oldest sister of four kids, so I was the boss. Mm. And I was the one that commanded all the play. Yeah, I know how that feels. To the point, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> um, to the point where um, when I went to school when I was five, grandma said that um, they didn't know what to do with themselves because I was the one that told them all what to do. So she had to teach them to play because I wasn't around to direct them all. That's funny. Um, it was really fun we grew up in um a really old run-down house which basically grandma and grandpa did up while we were kids took them a very long time to do it until they finished it just after i'd left home so but it was a lot of fun we had the massive garden and we used to play outside all the time and build trees and forts and right next door to the house that we grew up in there was this big old like plot of land which was which to us seemed massive but going back and looking at it now I realized it was really quite small but we found like an old air raid shelter in there and we built an underground base and had aerial runways in the trees and wow. it was it was really fun lots that's of awesome fun. it was fun growing up with siblings because mm. it meant we always had someone to play with so what would you say a defining moment in your life was um probably back one of the defining moments there's many but i think one of the defining moments was when i was seven i got really really sick um, and ended up in hospital on kidney dialysis um, and everybody said that I was probably not going to make it and that I was going to die but grandma and grandpa and then loads of people all over the world got lots of people praying and three days after my kidneys had stopped working they started working again um, and I was able to come out of hospital three weeks later Wow! yeah it was pretty cool what did you say you learned from that? Just the power of prayer, I think, and how deeply God hears the cries of his people and and understands them and listens to them. And it's a powerful thing to have a lot of people praying. That's crazy. Really cool. I, I never really... Tell me more about like the process of how other people were feeling as you were in hospital. And like, I want to know more about that. Um. It was, it was a little, I don't know so much because obviously I was only seven years old. Yeah. Um, but I remember my siblings coming to see me and they came in with my nan and they weren't allowed to come. My nan wouldn't let them come anywhere near me because I think she thought it was infectious and she didn't want any of them to get sick. Mm. Um, but I, I remember feeling really kind of isolated and alone and because um, grandma was able to stay with me but she she had to go to back to where she was she wasn't able to stay overnight so i was left mm. by myself overnight 
I don't know, it's really difficult for grandpa as well because he was still having to work and then coming up to the hospital in the evening. So it was it was quite a stressful time for everybody. My siblings don't remember it so much because they were much yeah. younger, but I know for grandma and grandpa that was quite a stressful what time. What was it like after that then? So then I grew up and I think the next defining moment would probably be when I was 14 and um, this band came to our like the local area called Heartbeat and they did concerts all over the place and it was you know, like when you go to a, Christ- a concert it's just like mm. just I love the music and the vibe and the dancing but it turned out that these guys were Christians and it was like oh Christian people can do this this is really cool mm. um, and then at, at the end of it they asked people to come forward if they wanted to be prayed for I went forward and just all me and a lot of my friends got filled with the Holy Spirit and it was like this really cool powerful time um and I think from that time on I think my life my faith became real to me and the experiencing God in that space and experiencing his power and his presence seeing people get healed um seeing people just experience God in new and fresh ways that was a moment for me that I will never ever forget. How do you think your faith after that um, shaped and changed where you were going and your career path? And um, I think I had a certainty that God knew the plans He had for me, um, and that it wasn't it wasn't something that I had to make happen. Although I had to work hard, like I always wanted to, I wanted to do something in the the science field, the medical field. From a really early age, I always wanted to be a doctor, um, and I knew that took a lot of work. But I think if it hadn't been for my faith, the disappointments that came on that journey of becoming a doctor, I wouldn't have got through them as well and I wouldn't have known that God had something other for me Mm. Um, because it was horrendous when I didn't get the grades that I needed to to get into medical school I was desperately disappointed Um, but grandpa would always say to me remember the verse verse in Jeremiah 29 verse 11 which says I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future and grandpa would say that to me all the time and all the letters he wrote to me when I was at university and when I was away in Africa he would always end his letters with that verse um, just reminding me that God had amazing plans for me that I didn't know about Mm. and even though the dreams that I had for my life to become a doctor didn't work out the way that I'd expected them to looking back now I can see that that verse is so true that Jesus knew way better what I needed and what would be good for me and actually what I was designed for much better than I did at the age mm. of 17 when I 18 when I didn't get my That's A-levels. awesome. So what was, what was school life like then? Let's go back a bit. Um, school life was quite, I, I enjoyed it in that I loved the learning aspect of it. I found the social side of it quite difficult. Um, I quite in my teenage years I was really quite quiet and very withdrawn and not very involved in what was going on I had a lot of good friends at my church youth group which really helped Mm. Um, and we we used to hang out all the time and a number of those went to my school Um, but I found it difficult um, relating to people of my own age the high school was wasn't my favorite time apart from learning I loved the learning aspect of it how and when did it change then or did it not 
It changed when I went to university. It changed when I went to do. So I didn't get my A-levels, so... Um, or the grades that I needed to get into medical school. Um, so I took two gap years. Mm. Um, and I think in those years, uh, my faith really grew, but I also really learned that there were people out there that were like me um, and that wanted similar things to me um, and that were pursuing their own journey of faith. And I think in that space, it was just fun to be around them and it made me come out of my shell because I had people that were doing similar things to me. Mm, that's cool. How, how, um, if you were to go back, um, back to high school, how would you deal with interactions differently? I think I'd be a lot less shy and I'd want to be a lot more secure in who I was mm. because I think as I've become more and more secure in who I am, friendships have become really easy for me to develop and build um i'm quite a, a social person um and i love being around people and i think i would have taken a lot more effort to, to build friends friendships at school mm, that's cool um so what are you afraid of snakes yeah. i absolutely <laughs> hate snakes i can't even look at them on the tv screen they i'm just it's petrified very much of grandpa huh? oh my gosh it's uh, not quite as bad as grandpa <laughs> i have had a snake around my shoulders i have done that yeah. i've tried to fight my fears but still a snake it it, it does very much scare me yes how petrified. how would you deal with being in a situation with a snake um where you're trapped what what do you think you'd be thinking in that moment? I'd probably pass out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what... No, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, I don't know what I'd do. I think I'd probably try and climb a wall. Yeah, uh, would, just escape somehow. Yes, yeah. <laughs> do you think your mind would work quicker or worse? Like No, I think it would stop. I think it would freeze. <laughs> I think it would absolutely panic and not know what to do. So... Can you reflect on a significant time where it was a challenge and how did you overcome that challenge? Uh, challenge, what a good question. Um, there's probably a number of different occasions, but it, there's different types of challenges I think that you you go through in life so there would be the challenges that I've had on adventures with dad where things have gone just completely wrong and we've had to really change and move things around in the moment yeah. and be flexible but I think that for me the more difficult challenges I kind of like those challenges because you get to kind of strategize and think and and kind of think outside the box and and it doesn't feel so personal to me I think the challenges that are more difficult are um the emotional challenges or when I've really had to fight academically I'm not I can do academics I'm not not terrible at it um but I do struggle I struggled when I got to university with how to write an essay and it didn't really fit the academic mold so well mm. um and i think i had to fight feeling like a failure in those spaces 
Um, and that's a constant lie that I think I often carry is that I'm not, I'm a failure when it comes to academics, that I can't do it. Um, and then also I think there's another, like I feel sometimes like I fail at friendships um, and that's, and I know that's not true. It's kind of almost like the thing that I really love and I'm really deeply passionate about is the thing that I get really challenged on um, when when I get kind of picked up on the fact I think I'm a failure at friendships and I think it's actually a lie that kind of attacks the Mm -hmm. very core of who I am so it's learning to be resilient in those spaces and learning the mental the truths that we need to carry when you're in a a time of emotional or Mm -hmm kind of psychological stress of learning the truths of actually I'm not a failure and that's not who God says that I am and learning the truths and carrying the truths um, with me in those spaces to fight the mental battles that I have Mm -hmm. I find that a lot more difficult those are the challenges I find really difficult how do you fight them do you just recognize that you have those thoughts and then think other thoughts or uh, that's one of the things I do I've got a whole list of truths that I carry around with me um, that I look at, that I read like what? Um, things like I'm not a failure at friendships mm. but that God's called me to be with people and that he's actually given me a superpower of building relationships um, that the verse that grandpa gave me that mm. he has a plan for me and a purpose for me um, the fact that he's called me to big things and called me to the nations and that um, and just b- Bible verses like I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and he made me in such a way that I have a unique call um, and a unique thing to fulfill and I'm not done yet. Mm. Um, so those sorts of things that I carry around and listen to and and I also really value friendships and relationships and I think having people around you that you can be accountable to, that you can talk through those things with, um, and just asking them to give you feedback when you're in those times of stress, or asking them to remind you of the truths that um, that I know that I am and who I am. So. How do you find those people that can do that? Because it might be hard for some people to find uh, someone who can... Um, tell you that you're doing something wrong in a moment that is encouraging or like just to be there for you how do you find those types of people um i think it's about being intentional in relationships and friendships and find putting yourself around people even if it's scary or even if it's um difficult being intentional to ask people the questions say just to to be open with people and be interested in people i think that's the most important thing is is show interest in others and as you Mm. show interest in others they show interest in you Mm. um and being curious about who they are and and how they're wired when you give to it's about generosity and giving to others and as you give to others others in return then want to give to you Mm. um so i think that's the first step is the generosity of giving of yourself to others but i think taking it to a next level i think often we can have a lot of friendships but going to a place where you have an accountable relationship is about being intentional in those relationships and asking the questions, would you be willing to walk with me in this next season and help me in this particular area? And it doesn't mean to be that they're, they are like 
they look at your whole life and they pull it all together. It could be just, I need accountability in this particular area of my life right now. Would you walk through that mm. with me? Or maybe it's a skill that you're learning. Um, so like when I was learning to sing, getting my teacher and just saying to her, look, give me feedback on how I was singing. Where are the areas that I can improve? What does that look like? So it might be a skill and, and finding those people, but being intentional to ask them to do it mm. because people don't know that you want it and need it. Um, but it's all about intentionality and inviting those people to give you that feedback and being open when they give it. So it's not like asking them and then when they give it to you, you're like, oh my gosh, why, why are you saying that? Yeah. But being open to and willing to change when they give you the feedback. That's awesome. That was a great answer to a question I don't even remember <laughs> asking. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so you, you and dad have traveled a lot and even before meeting dad, mm -hmm. you travel loads. So I wanted to ask, what's a food that you've come across that has been the craziest that you've ever seen or or what's the most tasty and disgusting like just talk about that okay so there's uh, there's three can okay. i do three yeah go ahead the f the most the weirdest thing i've ever eaten um was when i was living in the maasai lands when i was 18 where's um, that in uh, so the maasai people are a people group in in east africa so their their territory goes uganda kenya tanzania they're all in okay. that space but i was in tanzania with them mm. and we were staying there for a month in their mud huts we all got fleas it was horrendous um but i ate a black mamba snake which is one of you the ate most the snake yeah we, what you're scared of yeah did that feel good <laughs> it did. Uh, we we were all told to like go inside the house and go upstairs and we were like why what's going on um and uh they outside the house that the guest house that we were staying at, at that point there was a massive black mamba oh snake gosh. um and they caught it and they cooked it us for dinner <laughs> Did it taste good? It actually didn't taste too bad. It tasted like chicken. Wow. It was it was all right. That's cool. The most disgusting thing I've ever eaten is um that was the weirdest thing. The most disgusting thing I think is um fried cockroaches in mm. China. There there is in nothing. China. I think like in Thailand it would probably be better cuz they do it everywhere, but China feels like it would be mm, it was Why was it just the feeling texture? It's just it's just <laughs> there was nothing to it. It didn't taste good. Yeah. It was crunchy. It was just <laughs> No. What's the best then? The the most the 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 meal I would love to take you guys and dad mm. back for um was a meal I had in Iran that was cooked for 24 is a kind of lamb stew that was cooked in and it's all cooked in set like little pots mm. so everybody has their own little kind of red ceramic pot that they put in the oven and they stew it for like 24 hours and then wow. you have this bread that you mix into the pot and just and oh my gosh the taste it, it was heavenly it was absolutely and i don't like lamb lamb is not it's my least favorite meat and wow. this was just amazing, amazing, That's amazing. What, what were you doing in, was it Tanzania? What were you doing in Tanzania living with them? Tell, tell that story. So it was, um, so that was my second gap year. Okay. Um, so I was helping to lead a team. How old were you? 19. 19. So I was helping to lead a team um, from England. So it was a team of five of us. Hmm. And we went out to work with, um, an organization called Missionary Aviation Fellowship. 
which is they're a team of pilots and and they have their own planes and they fly into places that wow. other people can't necessarily get to you can't mm. get to by road um or they need like quick access or quick like yeah. medical treatment or food or whatever so they will fly into difficult places to get to so we were working with this organization lived there for nine months and one of those months we went down we were flown down mm. um to this area um called Ngesima in the central part of tanzania um and lived with a maasai tribe for a month that's, it was that's pretty crazy it was pretty awesome and it was really funny because dad thought he was really, really hardcore living with the Tibetans. But when we did our sabbatical and we went to back to Uganda, we stayed in Uganda for a little while. Dad, I said, look, let I want to take you to Tanzania. So I took him to Tanzania and took him to this place in the middle of nowhere. And he was like, OK, I take it all back. You're pretty <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> That's awesome. I can see. Did you show dad anything like. Because I can see dad going there and witnessing something and being utterly disgusted and want to leave instantly were there any moments like that or was it just showing him how desolate it was just i think it was him just saying like we were able to see some of the um uh the tribes the tribes people that we actually stayed with were there um and we sat in there oh yeah we sat outside their mud huts for a little while and had tea with them and the tea is like disgusting <laughs> it's like fermented like it was just he did not like it he did yeah, not like I it i bet that's funny yeah let's talk about iran as well because you brought that up and i don't know much about that because you're pretty pretty young when you went i wasn't actually you kids were born when i went to iran yeah so, i was i'm saying i was young when yeah, you went so i don't so, know what happened um so i was when we lived in china and thailand um i used to run a ministry where I'd, i would take teams of ladies to different countries um, and do women's retreats so one of the women's retreats we did was in azerbaijan and i've always wanted to go to iran i don't know why it's just been one of those countries that's really really intrigued me i think partly because it's so closed and so difficult to get to um and it's bought so azerbaijan borders iran so i said to krista who um lived in azerbaijan I said, how easy is it to get to iran would it be possible to go for a few days? She said, yeah, we can sort that out for you. So um, when you get to Iran, you have to have someone that's with you all the time. Yeah. You have to have a tour, tour guide. Um, so the tour guide um, picked us up from the airport um, and then s spent like the whole time with us. But it is such a different country to what you see on the news. It's like on the news, you see all of these people, and it is, there's like, it's very dangerous also. Yeah. But the actual people are so friendly, so welcoming, so hospitable. So the first day that we got there, we got to our hotel and the, the it was at night and our guy dropped off us off and she said okay i'll see you at 10. so me and sal who's the girl i was traveling with were like okay we'll see you in the morning thinking she was meaning 10 a.m in the morning because you couldn't leave the hotel without yeah. the, your guide and she went no 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 10 o'clock tonight and we're thinking we're going out in iran at 10 o'clock at night honestly we were a little bit scared and um it, women always have to have their head covered the whole time so we had our like mm. head scarves on 
and uh, we kind of meet the guide in the um in the lobby of the hotel and we go out on the streets of Iran at like in this beautiful town called Isfahan in southern central um Iran and it was just a completely different experience it was like being in like some cool um southern european town everybody was out on the streets Mm. eating drinking tea we went to these incredibly old beautiful bridges and people were just sitting on the bridges they got their picnic mats out they sat there we would sit down with people have a cup of tea chat to them ask them about what they did and ate ate food and they were we didn't take anything they just kept giving stuff to us and they they sang songs for us and it was just beautiful it was just such a beautiful experience to actually meet Iranians and have my world view of what Iran was like completely shattered it was a beautiful experience why do you think they're so happy um because of well their country well there will be parts where they'll be sad because their country is under uh, well a lot of yeah yeah restrictions why do you think they're so happy uh, I think they've got a real sense of family and community and I think that's something in the West that we've lost. We've lost the idea of how to be community and they just, they hang out together and they enjoy each other and I think because they haven't got access to the things that, the trappings almost that we have of life of access to the internet and computers and they have that sort of stuff, mm. but it's very, very restricted that they, they find other things to do with their time. So they'll sit on a bridge at night and eat ice cream and tell stories and play songs and, and sing and dance. And there's a sense of community that draws them together and allows them to find freedom in a place that is very restricted. How do you think we can implement that here in, well, in the West? I think embracing community and reaching out and building and being intentional about building community and opening up our homes and our spaces for people to be a part of them. And I think that's one of the values I'm so thankful I've learned from my own parents is that their house was continually full of people. People were always dropping in and and it's still the case. You go down to Mm -hmm, grandma's now and people are just drop in. They just walk in the front door and I've always wanted to have a house and a home like that. Um, And so I think continually saying, and I think it's something that people are like, really, does she really mean that? And I think it's continually saying to people, my house is your house, come be, be a part of our family. We want to spend time with you and and developing community um i think is something that would be incredibly valuable to our culture today yeah that's awesome so i was actually listening to a podcast this morning and they were talking about discipleship and um they were talking about what the difference is between mentoring and discipling someone and i know that you go on video calls with people which is mentoring kind sort of, of. Yeah. so I want to know like what do you think the difference between mentoring and discipleship is oh what a question I think discipleship for me is a much bigger broader um term um I think there's a lot when you talk about discipling the nations um I think I would see it as a point of view of looking at all of the different aspects and and 
parts of society so what does it mean to disciple someone in healthcare what does it mean to disciple someone in education what does it mean to disciple someone in business in a biblical way that looks at the biblical foundations of those different aspects of society in a way that it develops it with kingdom values um, and I think discipleship is when you're walking with someone as an individual in discipleship I think it's learning to hear the voice of God walking with them in terms of, of teaching them how to read the bible um what to it, apply the bible to our lives today to teaching them how to pray i think it's about the the discipling them in the the calling and the giftings that they have as an individual um, it's a much more broader and rounded aspect of looking at someone i think a mentor is someone that specifically walks with someone um and i think i think discipleship is also a space where um you you get to talk with each other in that and you disciple one another in that space whereas i think mentoring is when you walk with someone and they've invited you into their lives to Mm. specifically walk with them to discover maybe it's they're being asked to be mentored in a specific thing um that they want to grow and develop in um and to learn from you as someone that has skills that they don't have or an understanding of the way of doing life that they don't have like i've mentored a few people in parenting what does it mean to have small kids and how do you bring them up in the ways of God, those sorts of things. Mm. I think mentoring is a bit more specific to a certain thing that someone's asked you to walk with them. That's awesome. I also wanted to ask, you're a mom of four boys. I am. What is it like to be a mom of four boys? It's insane. (laughs) Um, It's my, one of my biggest joys in life. I absolutely love it. I love the just the way each one of you are so different and so individual and learning to see the world through your eyes um, and discover new things as you discover new things and to live life all over again in some ways through Mm. you guys living is so fun and so Uh, so much joy I love it when you guys learn something new and your eyes just light up and you rush to tell me even if I've got no clue what you're talking about just that joy of learning and growing I love that I love the adventures that we get to go on and the new experiences that we get to have together like going to places for the first time together and exploring it together and eating new foods and um all of that I love I love that you're I love that we get to do crazy things together Mm. um and yeah just do wild things and I um and I love the friendships that the four of you build together um it's really fun to watch I'm exhausted most of the time (laughs) trying to keep track of the things that you guys do and um trying to keep on top of all the different various hobbies and 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 appointments and all of the different things that you have to do in in your various Mm. different walks in life but i love it i couldn't i couldn't have asked for anything better it's one of my most favorite things i've ever done so you said um you like to 
be there when we learn stuff and you like to learn you said that at school that you're very you like to learn stuff at school so why do you think you like to learn i think it's one of my core values and i i hope it's something that's people will say about me at the end of my life is that she continually learned and grow grew she continually learned mm. and grew um because i don't think we're ever until we meet jesus there's always something new that we can learn and there's always a, an area of our lives that can be improved and there's always something about our character and our personality that can be honed and refined and made more beautiful um, and I think unless we continually have that heart to keep learning and keep growing for the entirety of our lives um, I think we become stagnated and we become hardened and I never want that to be the case I want to be a 90 year old grandma with my grandchildren still learning new things yeah um i want to be like chris's um granddad who wanted to get a computer when he was 89 just because he wanted to understand it i'm sure there'll be technologies that i have no clue of when i'm 90 but i'd love to be able to just sit with my grandkids as they show me those things mm, that's cool that's exciting mm -hmm. so what is it like to travel with four boys then because we've done that a lot um, I think it's something that dad and I decided we were going to teach you to, boys to do from a very young age. So pretty much from the day that you could walk, um, we would we got you a small backpack and put some things in there. So whenever you went, we got on a plane, each of you had a little backpack with some of your toys in because we wanted you to learn the how to travel and how to um, be prepared for different situations. That right, you, why? Why did you want us to learn how to travel? Because there's so much out there in the world to explore and there's so many different ways of doing life and other cultures that I think, again, it comes back to that learning and growing that I think we as individuals can learn from and I think you can get so trapped in your own culture um, that being outside in other spaces in other cultures just expands you as an individual and expands you as a person. So we wanted to make sure that you guys were ready for the adventures that we wanted to go on as a family. So we taught you from a very young age. You're very wise, mom. <laughs> You're very wise. And I will say thank you because I want to travel so much now yes, and I see know. everything. I'm not sure I'm so happy about it now because that means <laughs> that you're leaving me very soon. But I'll, I'll deal with that. <laughs> so there's a side to you of leadership and wanting to preach the gospel. And like, where does that come from? I don't know. I think it's been in me. I think I think that's part of the plans and purposes that Jesus had for me mm. that has just been embedded in me since I was a little girl. So one of my earlier memories and it was grandma walking into the room and there I was with my, I was supposed to be practicing my cello, but I had my music stand and uh, I had my Bible on my music stand and I had all of my teddies lined up against the wall and I was preaching to my teddies. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Not doing my cello practice. <laughs> that's better. I think that that's definitely better. So I think there's always been, and I've always loved, I've always been so intrigued by the history of the Bible, the, the context of the Bible, actually what, 
what do the actual, the Hebrew, so the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek. So what do the Hebrew and the Greek words mean? Um, mm. And what do they mean in the context of when they were written? And I think there's so much in the Bible that we don't read as Westerners as we read it in our own language because the words don't mean the same to us as what they did when they were originally yeah. written. So I love being able to expand it and teach it to people and see people's eyes light up when they realize the relevance of the Bible mm -hmm. to us today and how much Jesus and God have put into the word of God that um, can mean that we can live an incredibly fruitful and rich life. So what's one of your favorite stories from the Bible? Because the Bible is full of stories, full of books and chapters. What's your what's one that stands out to you? One of my favorites is the life of David. I think he will always be one of my absolute heroes. Uh, he messed up so many times. He, But he lived a life of integrity and a life of worship. Um, and it says in the Bible that he was a man after God's own heart. And I think I've made some big messes and big mistakes in my life. And he always gives me hope that if God says that about David, then maybe he'll say that about me too. He will say that about you. <laughs> he will. I think one of the other ones, the other ones that I'm always drawn to are the ones of people working in in, in politics. So Daniel, mm. um, Esther, um, Nehemiah, those those individuals that worked in foreign governments um, and I've loved studying their life stories as well. I think partly because I think I'd love to do that at some point. Mm, that's awesome. So what are some of your goals for the future and where do you want to be and what's stopping you? Um, oof, I hate this question at the moment. I would love... Why do you hate it? Sorry. Sorry to stop you, but why do you hate it? I hate it because I feel stuck in where I'm at a little bit at the moment personally um, in terms of how to fulfill what I want to do. Um so I'm, I wrestle with it. I know where I want to get to, but I wrestle with how mm. to at the moment. Um, but that's something I just need to place at Jesus's feet and let him do it. So, but I would love to be a Bible teacher. I'd love mm. to in some way teach the Bible um, and allow others to experience the joy that I experience when I study it. Mm. Um, and I'd love to I'd love to mentor other leaders um, and I, I do that a little bit actually already but like walk with other leaders and I think particularly in crisis situations I think dad and I have walked through quite a lot of crises um, as leaders and with other leaders um, and I'd love to be able to be someone that can be there for other people as they go through leadership crises and hold their hand and, and be with them in that space and walk with them in those spaces. Um, so working with leaders um, in crisis situations as well as Bible teaching. How are you going to do that? Um, I think just be open and willing to work with anybody that comes across our paths, being open to hearing God speak um, and at the same time, taking time to spend time studying and preparing for the time when I can teach the Bible. Mm. So just being aware of the moments that I can take just to sit and read and study. And I love it. And I, f I feel alive when I'm doing it. So I know it's good for me as well to do those sorts of things. That's awesome. 
It's been a really fun conversation, Mom. I know you like a lot more than I did 30 minutes ago. Good. That's awesome. Good. It's been fun. Thank you so much yeah. for inviting me on your podcast. It's what no a worries. privilege. Anytime. We'll have you back because I know there are a lot more stories that you have that I want to unpick. Yeah. But that was awesome. That'd be great. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks so much.